Good evening, everybody. Good evening. It's good to have you here. It's a Wednesday night. Wednesday. Wednesday night. It's the 12th of July. What else we have? We have the year. It is the 23rd year of the new millennium. 2023. I hope it was a nice day for you. It was for me, albeit hot. Nice and hot and sweaty. And uh, you have to get some... Gotta get some good action in. Outside, in that sun. It's good for you. Trying to get it into your eyes somehow. It's good for you. But we are going to have a great time tonight for the nightcap as we have a wonderful guest coming back on the show that is grace really graceful many of you are subscribed to her she is uh, she is a colossal presence on uh, on the internet especially on youtube and elsewhere and now a published author and uh, it's going to be great to have her on this is the second time that she's she's with me on this show and we're going to be doing a little bit of a take off of one of her ongoing series of something strange is going on here and there something strange is going on in georgia something strange is going on in the u.s something strange is going on on planet earth and um so i got in touch with her maybe about a month or so ago and i said hey we should get you back in in july and let's do a something strange but a live version where it's just conversational we're just hitting on a couple of different things so we have that tonight we're going to be doing a little bit of a mental health checkup a little bit of a mental health assessment for the observable portions of society. We know there's a lot of great people doing great things in very quiet ways, but we are, uh, you know how it is here. The squeaky wheels get the grease and all of the news coverage too. So, and that's contagious. That crap, that crap is definitely contagious because we know that it rubs off. So um, we'll be talking about this and that, that and this, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. And whatever time we have left over in the second half, which should be, a, I think we'll, we'll be going for about an hour. Maybe in the second half, we will have some time for calls. I hope so, because I would love to hear what you got to say. And if you want to be able to get your thoughts onto the record without having to uh, compete with everybody else for the phone lines, you can always send in a super chat. And that can be done through the universal super chat that I've set up at quitefranklysuperchat.com. Anybody who's watching anywhere can do that. There's also the Rumble Rants. There are the Gold Pills on QuiteFrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole. And uh, there's even tips on Rockfin that can be sent in. So with all of those comes space for a very, very nice message or question or joke, whatever the hell you want to do. Send it on in. I'd love to have you. Okay. With that said, thank you so much to all watching and to all my sponsors and friends on the affiliates page on QuiteFrankly.tv. And let's get into our grab bag. Tomorrow, we have Michael Collins. We're finishing off the week tomorrow. I'm taking a summer Friday this Friday, July 14th. I will not be on air. But tomorrow night, we're going to be finishing off the week with Michael Collins. And he is the, uh, the producer and content creator at Wandering Wolf Productions on YouTube. And we'll be talking about megalithic structures in the United States and other things that he's been looking into. I think that should be a lot of fun. A lot of good, good, good stuff to, to end the week with. All right, first one up is, where the hell is it? Here we go. Did you hear? There's a new movie coming out. Actually, I, I heard that there's a Napoleon film coming out with Joaquin Phoenix. I think Ridley Scott is doing it. 
and um, I am curious to see how that goes. Napoleon film, huh? I'll be on the lookout for that one. But this Oppenheimer one, this can go in a number of different ways, number of different directions. Oppen, this is from Variety. Oppenheimer, first reactions praise Christopher Nolan's most impressive work yet, a spectacular achievement and total knockout. Universal Pictures has finally unveiled Christopher Nolan's atomic bomb epic Oppenheimer at a world premiere event in Paris. First reactions to the nearly three-hour drama, ugh, three hours, are pouring in and are strong across the board and with the film being called a spectacular achievement and audacious. Writing for the Los Angeles Times, former critic Kenneth Turan hailed Oppenheimer as, an ar- as arguably Nolan's most impressive work yet in the way that it combines his uh, acknowledged visual mastery with one of the deepest character dives in recent American cinema. Matt Mith- Matum, deputy editor of Total Films at Nolan's latest film, left him stunned. Cillian Murphy is the one who plays uh, Oppenheimer. And, you know, I was wondering when this was coming out because July 16th is the, is the, um, the anniversary of, of the testing of the atom bomb at White Sands in New Mexico, July 16th, 1945. And now whenever I think of that date, I think of Twin Peaks. Um, I, it, it, the, July 16th is a Sunday, so we won't be on, but that night I'm definitely putting in the entire atom bomb testing series, uh, testing, uh, it's like five minute sequence from the, uh, the third season of Twin Peaks that came out in 2017. Uh, that is some, that changes shit. I, I'm telling you, it's not just the visuals and I gotta, I give Showtime a lot of credit for giving David Lynch all that money and just saying, go for it. The fact that this was on television is unreal. And it, it is also, I would have to say confidently at this point, it is the center of my deepest gut feelings of what is going on right now in society, or it's at least contributing to it. Especially the whole UFO and alien phenomenon. I really, I really believe that we are talking about a rip in space-time, a tear, some kind of a hole in dimensions that this was a time when two worlds that should have never been allowed to touch started to merge. There's something that happened there. Something. And um, who knows, maybe Monday. Maybe Monday the 17th, I'll, I'll end with it. Five minutes at the end just to blow people's minds and then get the whole, it'll get the whole episode banned. All right, so Oppenheimer's coming out. I think I might want to check in on that one and the the Napoleon thing, let you know what it's all about. Got to start doing movie reviews again. All right, Zero Hedge, the most insane thing ever. Man finds huge hoard of Civil War gold on Kentucky farm. This guy's not going to live much longer. A Kentucky man has unearthed an astounding cache of Civil War era gold coins from a cornfield on his farm among hundreds of types of uh, among hundreds are types of coin that was sold at auction for more than $100,000. There are about 18 of them. While the extraordinary lucky extraordinarily lucky man identity, his identity and location of his property are still under wraps, his find has been certified by uh, the the pneumostatic 
Guarantee Company, which describes itself as the world's largest and most trusted third-party grading service for coins, tokens, and medals. The treasure heap has become an instant numismatic legend, christened the Great Kentucky Hoard. Look at that. The Great Kentucky Hoard lay buried in the soil for some 150 years. Here's a quote. The importance of this discovery cannot be overstated as the stunning number of over 700 gold dollars represented a virtual time capsule of Civil War era coinage, including coins from the elusive um, Dalanega mint. I need to learn a little bit more about that. First time I've seen that, says rare coin dealer Jeff Garrett, who was tapped to study the coins. Finding one mint condition 1863 double eagle would be an important pneumostatic event. Finding nearly a roll of superb examples is hard to comprehend. In a very short video posted to GovMints.com YouTube channel, a breathless man can be heard marveling at the wealth of real money that had been trapped in the soil for a century and a half, saying, this is the most insane thing ever. These are all $1 gold coins, $20 gold coins, and $10 gold coins, and look, I'm still digging them out. Let's see. This is the most insane thing ever. Those are all $1 gold coins, $20 gold coins. $10 gold coins. And look, I'm still digging them out. There's five, two, three, four, five, six, six more gold coins. This is real. Okay, so yeah, if you know anything about human beings, then you know that that is not a guy who was winded from the exertion, the physical exertion. That is somebody who is literally trying to try to keep himself sane. <laughs> That's, that is the sound of a man who's trying to keep himself from, from wigging out in the best way possible. Wow. Good for him. Good for him. Um, wow. These are the coins after cleaning. After they've been cleaned. Look at that. Look at all that cheddar. My gosh. That is tremendous. Tremendous. Now, I don't know what he does with this, but he's got to do something quick. Um, something to, to secure this or, or whatever, make a, a will. I, I, I don't know. What would you do if you found all of this? Number one, you probably wouldn't want to make uh, a big stink about it. You probably wouldn't want to post any of it on the internet. I wouldn't have done that. I would have definitely wanted, I would have definitely dug up somebody that can help me. Maybe I'd call up um, Tony Arterburn and say, hey, I need you to take a look at these. But that's insane. But uh, not more insane than this. So there was a surreal climate crazy uh, performance that was done by a, uh, a minister, a, a, a Spanish minister, government official. This chick, she's crazy socialist, apparently. Aren't they all over there? She uses a private jet to attend this climate conference. And then around 100 meters before they hit the venue, she gets out of the limo and starts taking a bicycle in for appearances and the security cars follow behind her you've got it it's the it's just incredible watch this there she is here she comes to save the day just doing my part just doing my part only in spanish look at her look at her Good for you. Here they come. 
What a bunch of retards. It's one thing to... Um, it's one thing to get stuff like this from the, the lower class doom cult thespians who dress up like handmaidens and all that stuff and they do interpretive jazz dance in the middle of the street or they throw uh, pea soup at the Mona Lisa or something like that. But to have these overtures made by public officials is is really incredible. It's incredible that they still lower themselves to this to feed the hungry dogs. And then we have a little, uh, one last thing from Illinois. Illinois law forces landlords to rent to illegals or face civil rights violations, which I would say is a civil rights violation of a citizen to take in people, to be forced to take in people to foreign nationals that you know they will never, ever be able to get rid of. Never. Squatters' rights are already obscene in this country as it is, but the fact that they're not citizens and, and now carry all this political weight, this uh, is something else. And this is going to be, um, there's going to be a little bit of this being spoken about tonight with Grace because definitely want to talk about housing with her and and stuff like that because this is just incredible. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker, that's the, the big frat car, signed SB 1817 into law, which mandates landlords must rent property to illegal immigrants. Democrats in this ultra-progressive crime-ridden state are under fire for prioritizing the needs of migrants over the needs of their own constituents. Breitbart first reporter Pritzker, a first reported Pritzker, signed the bill into law on June 30th. The rule amended the Illinois Human Rights Act to include immigrant status, immigration status as a protected class. This means landlords could get slapped with a civil rights violation if they discriminate against a migrant, someone who doesn't even have any documentation, any reason to be here, uh, no guarantee that they're going to be able to get any meaningful employment or be able to pay the rent. But, I mean, we have so many. The, the piper needs to be paid on a lot of things, and I'll bring it up later. Just remember all the rent moratoriums from over the lockdowns, all right? That's, uh, a lot of those are going to be expiring soon, and it's just compounded interest, and that's still all on people. And it's really all about how many landlords can they get to sell all their property to government officials, to government agencies, to NGOs, to BlackRock, and just completely turn this entire country into a place where people are living in government-subsidized buildings, living like rats stacked up on type of rats, low quality of life, no property ownership. It's, um, it's all part of it, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's start this one off. The pre-show is over. One more thing to set the table before our good friend Grace shows up, and I hope you all can help me by sharing the live links to all of your friends. If you're watching on YouTube or on Rumble, please do me the favor and just giving this a like. If we can get this to a thousand likes on both places, it would uh, it would be a it'd be a great help. It really would. It's the least you can help me to do, and that is a big thing to do. So please give it a like, give it a share, and we will be right back. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. 
That's why we're going back! Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! So here we are on a hump day in July, July 12th. Thank you guys and gals for being here tonight. Thank you for helping me out with the likes and the sharing and all that. And keep dumping those super chats on quitefranklysuperchat.com. And I will be getting to those at some point in the broadcast. I probably can't be so real time with them tonight because I have a lot to cover with Grace. But here's one of the things I want to bring up because I think it's part of the overall, the overall mental health uh, assessment that's going on. What are we seeing in society at large? And you know, there's been a lot of stories about. Obviously, we have the the reptilian airplane lady, who I hope we find her, and I hope she comes on this show first, because I will treat her kind. I will, and. The other thing that we've covered a, a, a great deal this year so far is actually stories um, around surrogacy, surrogacy and fertility clinics. We spent a lot of time on that this year so far, and it continues to, um, to draw attention. I want you to listen to a little bit from this one article that Peachy Keenan put out on her Substack. It's called The Myth of the Surrogate Mother. In 2005, twin girls were born prematurely to an African-American surrogate mother in Indiana. Their biological mother was an anonymous white egg donor. The biological father was a white sperm donor from California. Their adoptive father, the one who had bought the eggs, the sperm, and the surrogate, was a mentally disturbed gay teacher's aide in his 60s named Stephen Malinger. When Malinger arrived at the hospital to retrieve his medically fragile babies... The nurses became alarmed since his clothing were covered in bird droppings and he had his pet birds sitting on his shoulders. Later, neighbors reported the little girls outside in the cold, dirty, and dressed for warm weather. The case received national coverage is, uh, as what turned out to be a fraudulent adoption worked its way through the child welfare courts, even though the New York Times reported on it as saying the complaint prompted a review by the, or even the New York Times, the complaint prompted a review by the New Jersey Department of Youth and Family Services, which sent a worker the next day to Mr. Malinger's apartment in Union City. When a caseworker arrived, she noticed a strong smell of urine in the apartment, according to a court document. Mr. Malinger later said that the girls were not completely toilet trained and had accidents and that he tried to clean up after them the best he could. The home was particularly dirty, the caseworker said, with inadequate clean clothes for the twins. Department workers also said the children's pediatrician, Dr. Pearl Seenan, 
had concerns about their care and had considered contacting the agency. The girls were removed from Mr. Malinger's custody. Later, the girls were returned to Malinger, and despite my efforts, I can find no trace of what became of them. Surrogate. The A Brave New Equality background battleground is quietly being fought in America, and, that, and this is one that one has nothing to do with race, poverty, or oppression. This battle is being waged against an ancient primal earthly power as old as humanity itself, the maternal bond. Well, it has something to do with poverty and class and gender. It is the reassertion of an elite patriarchy, men with good taste and beach homes and plenty of disposable income, at the expense of downmarket young women mired in debt. It turns out that a few decades of feminist brainwashing and years of happy, clappy, fake biology lessons for young girls, it's just a clump of cells, you have too many eggs, you should just donate them, a baby is a consumer good everyone should be able to get, like a, like a venti latte, it shrinks the potency of the mother of the mothering instinct, stretching it thin until it snaps and withers. In the utopian paradise of the new patriarchy, everyone gets to be a parent, but no one gets to be a mother. It is time to have a national conversation about gestational carriers, or in the parlance of our time, surrogate mothers. I seem to read a new surrog- surrogacy horror story every week. Uh, here's one that adds a lovely new wrinkle to the quiet surrogacy debate raging just under the surface of our insistence of fertility equality for all. Brittany Pearson found out at 22 weeks that she had aggressive breast cancer. Listen to this one. I was talking a little bit about this one this morning on the morning show with Tracy. And um, I had gone out and found the, I had found the details on this one. It was picked up by The Blaze about a day or so ago. I don't know. Anyway, uh, This is all of it in one shot. Brittany Pearson found out at 22 weeks that she had aggressive breast cancer and needed to induce the baby early so that she could have chemotherapy she needed. The fathers refused. They didn't want a preemie that might have health problems and wanted her to abort instantly. They wanted the child dead. Okay? When she offered to have the baby adopted, they said no because they didn't want their DNA out there being raised by someone else. Surrogate claims gay dads told her to terminate pregnancy at 24 weeks on finding out that she had aggressive cancer and barred her from having baby prematurely or putting it up for adoption because they didn't want their DNA out there. Of course, the woman who aborts her own biological child instead of finding a new adoptive parents is also, in many cases, deciding she doesn't want the reminder of her mistake out there alive. Better to end it quick rather than to have to deal with the, me- the messy baggage of your own child who might knock on the door one day and ask you why you gave them away or thank you for not aborting them. That is too terrifying for most, so they pull the ripcord and hit the eject button on their quote-unquote mistake. Pearson told the DailyMail.com she found a hospital that would deliver her baby but would not elaborate on whether or not the procedure was inducement or termination or whether or not the fetus was born alive. She would only confirm that it has since died. The baby was born on Father's Day. My mother got to hold him and take pictures, but he did not survive, she explained. Pearson felt further upset by the prospective parent's decision to take the fetus's remains and cremate them. I would have done things differently. I didn't understand it since they didn't see him as a baby at all. Pearson said that she was speaking out about her experience because she never wants anyone to feel like this. 
So here's the big thing. What is this turning women into? Peachy Keenan goes on in the next segment to just say womb for sale. Many womb renters are heterosexual couples unable to are heterosexual couples unable to bear their own children or movie stars unwilling to lose their figure temporarily. They create their own biological embryos via IVF and have them implanted into the paid surrogate, a woman from a much lower social class, usually someone with her own children who needs the money to pay the bills. Here is baby Simon Cates who two months old and stuck in Mexico, unable to join his parents in the United States due to paperwork snafus. But celebrities keep on making surrogacy look easy, dragging cash through the trailer parks, and the impoverished mothers with healthy wombs keep biting. Kim Kardashian, Alec and Hilaria Baldwin, Chrissy Teigen, and Amber Heard have all availed themselves of the service of a birthing servant. Ironically, that these are liberal women who probably love The Handmaid's Tale and think evil right-wingers want women in Handmaid's Tale-style sexual slavery as their wire payments to the low-caste system uh, implants um, uh, implanted with their husband's seed. Yeah, that's it. As they wire payments to low-caste women implanted with their husband's seed. It is a really, um, it's a provocative dichotomy, no? Just gross. And of course, at the end of it is this: the, are the child, the, the children, who didn't choose any of this, that they're being just bought and sold. Um, now, 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 this is what what comes down, what all comes down to. And as we did this before, there are a lot of men and women out there who have been trying in earnest to have a child. They have been trying in earnest, and it's not working out. And they're, they're getting desperate because they want to be uh, parents and they've been trying for years in some cases. And so fertility clinics, every trick in the book, whatever, surrogacy might be something that they would consider. Now, th- so, so you have to think that there are people who are, they have all the right intentions. They are just, they, they, want, they want to do this. They, everything that they can try, they're going to try. But the real question is, is that the exception or is that the rule? And with such a mixed bag, it, it just seems like a very unethical thing. And the more I look into big fertility, it looks more and more unethical. I just, because you just don't know my, I mean, you know, before we were doing this, uh, in the last few months leading up to this stuff, we were talking about, um, what was it, the, the doctors that were seeding a small nation with their own sperm. They were using their own sperm to impregnate all of their all of their clients, essentially creating their own small little nation. And uh, then you had the baby swapping and so much unverifiable information, shady business practices. We had a lot of people from this, the uh, the audience call in and write in with their own things that they witnessed at some of these centers and things like that. And unfortunately, there's just a lot of, like I said, well-meaning, eager men and women who are having issues and are, are trying everything they can. But, um, you know, opening the door to designer babies and political purchases, that's really what we're talking about right now. And the laboratories aren't stopping because the laboratories want to know just what they can Frankenstein together with DNA from three different people, from four different people. And you know where that, all that's going. You know where that brave new world that we're knocking on the door of right now is. It's just... Uh, It's so much, it's so much weirdness 
at this time. But, you know, when it comes to weirdness and when it comes to all that other stuff, there are, uh, there are a few people that come to mind that I, I would really love to exchange with. And our guest tonight, Grace, is one of those people. I cannot wait to jump in. As you all know, Grace is a researcher. She's a producer, a published author now whose work focuses on hidden history, hidden history of the world, media analysis, education. She's back here with us tonight. Hey, Internet friend, how you doing? Hey, Internet friends. Hey, Frank. How are you? It's great to be back. Oh, it's great to have you on. You know, I first of all, before we go anywhere, how is the book doing still? It's a couple of months that now that it's been on the on the shelves, and I know that you were really kicking ass there. How are people writing reviews on it? Where is it all going? It's still going great. It's still been pretty much in the top 10 of U.S. encyclopedias, U.S. history encyclopedias on the top, you know, the top 100 list. So that's amazing. And the reviews have been incredible. So I'm just so happy that it's been a useful tool for everybody. It definitely has. It's been a great conversation starter. And I've actually used it as a reference a couple of times whenever uh, for a few shows in the last couple of months. And um, so it, it's great to have it out there. And I can't wait to add volume two, three, four, five, too, because I know you got something up your sleeve. But I know I need to write it. <laughs> it <laughs> I need to get on that. <laughs> no rush. No rush. You're doing great things. So um, but to, as for tonight, I want you to start off tonight. Let's play doctor a little bit. What is your current mental health assessment of the observable portions of society? Um, we got the airplane, airplane reptilian freak out. We've got, there's so much, what have you been really, uh, I don't know, intrigued by these days? I, I mean, I just sit back and watch all of this go down, right? You know, it is just so crazy. It's so interesting to me with the, we've got like reptilians, aliens, World War Three. just, you know, take your pick Russian roulette of absolute apocalyptic things, <laughs> kind of just going as a, an, like a normal news story so it seems like everyone is totally i don't want to say i don't feel demoralized do you feel demoralized no i, I feel no. like society as a whole is very much demoralized and um we're almost on the edge of our seats after this whole covid lockdown sort of thing where we're just all waiting for the next thing we're waiting um, for them to tell us what the next, you know, apocalyptic sort of thing is around the corner. Is it war with Russia? Is it, you know, lizard people? I know. Um, is it aliens? I feel like people aren't picking up on the alien thing, what they're putting down. They're putting down so much and people are just like, abduct me already. I'm ready for it. You know, that's the problem. That's the problem. When, when what you are trying to scare us with actually seems like a better alternative to what we're living living through it's it, it has the opposite effect uh, i think that an uh, an alien arrival at this point would actually be kind of interesting and um yeah I, I would love to talk about that at some point so maybe it's it's definitely better than watching any of these ridiculous uh, congressional hearings you want to talk about people who are you know something that people are totally checked out about now that used to be something where oh I, did you see the hearing today oh yeah i know that you know so and so owned this person and that person it's like watching right. days of our lives now. It, it's it, pointless. It's pointless television time. Well, and it's totally bizarre script writing, too. I feel like people aren't buying the illusion, and maybe we're ready for another one. We've 
people who uh, were watching in these congressional hearings, we just know that the gig is up, like it's over. The people who have reached these perceived elite positions aren't there because they have these innovative ideas and are there for the betterment of society by and large. I mean, maybe a few of them up there have made it to the big leaks, but they're there because they they toe the line. They enforce this on society and they are the ones who have conformed the most and repeated the most talking points so they could be trusted in those positions and i think we're all just kind of tired of it tired of the illusion ready for something new yeah i think that's probably why people are so drawn to to um to, to things like the the woman who freaked out on the airplane now we know that at, at, at high at altitude there's always some crazy stuff that happens on planes. We see there's always the footage of airplane fist fights and ejections and people screaming all the time, whether it be an anxiety. But right. th- this was so different because everybody is still gripped with who is she pointing to? What do you mean not real? I, I, it's not, what do you mean? So I, I think that's why people have just, she's became an instant meme and we want to know more. That's what I, I know I do. Do you believe her? I think her body sings with her, her, what she's saying. When she's punctuating each point, it doesn't read like a person under the influence or under alcohol or anything. She sounds terrorized. She sound, I hear fear in her voice and I see her punctuate each point like this. So it makes me think she's singing with this. The whole body language adds up. Do you believe her? I, I, I believe that she is feeling that terror. Uh, my question, uh, the, the jury is still out for me on what was prompting it. Uh, is there some, I know a lot of people who don't drink, who don't, who don't do drugs or anything like that, but when it comes to flying from one place to another, they are given low doses of Xanax because they have to get through. Yeah. I, I, just, I just wonder if it's just like something, did she take too much of something? It was a bad interaction on a prescribed medication just for that day. So I, I do not, be, I, I totally believe that her reaction to whatever it is she's seeing or thought happened is 100% genuine. I just don't know what the inspiration is fully. And, um, and, and again, it's about what she's saying and what she's not saying. That, that this plane, if, you, if we're all going to die, I'm not going to die with you guys. So there's somebody in the back of the plane is not real. But what does that mean? You know, there's, there's no, the accusation, Grace is I think it's so vague to the point of intrigue. I think that's what it is. Yeah. She said this MFR is not real. <laughs> and everyone t- took it in the whole uh, lizard people corner. So I think that's interesting that we we got that out of that exchange. But And then you see all the people freaking out on planes afterward. I keep seeing people freaking out on planes and do you also notice that they're trying to get us not to go in the ocean anymore i'm seeing all these we have the submarine we have cruise ships uh flooding we've got norovirus on cruise ships we have boys drop uh jumping off of cruise ships and getting eaten up by sharks um i mean my whole social media feed is stay away from the ocean stay away from planes I'm glad you bring this up. Just last night, I did a I did an episode where one of the main call-in topics was, do you have any crazy ocean stories? And one of the reasons for that is because, A, I, I picked up another couple of uh, articles about 
about all the uh, the ocean horrors from just this past year. Um, of course, inside of that was a little bit more of an in-depth um, speculation as to what the last couple of minutes of everybody's lives were like inside of that submarine, the Titan going down to the Titanic. And then I made the quip that 90% of the suggested tab on my YouTube right now is not even about the Titan anymore. It's just about Titanic. It's about famous ships sinking. It's about people going down to, to, to wrecks. Um, the, 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 the deepest wrecks on earth is just all about that. And people getting, people getting bit and, and taken down by sharks. There's shark attack yeah. videos that are popping up on YouTube now. So yeah, the, um, the ocean fear, I'm with you on that. There's, there's something weird how, how crazy we, we just dive into these algorithmic echo chambers. At least that is one explanation. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's you watch some of it and, of course, they show you more because of the in intrigue and they can scan your pupils and see how dilated they are while watching certain content. I don't know, but so much of the ocean is unexplored. It's almost like the the below outer space. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. I do know what you mean. Um, let me ask you this. I was just reading about this before I came on with you, and that was a story about surrogacy. Now, this is another thing that has been popping up a lot over the last couple of years. Um, there's a little bit more of a political aspect of this, of you know, pretty much made-to-order babies, um, and then there is also a just a broader ethical questions about what goes on inside of fertility clinics. These doctors that are seeding all of their patients with their with their sperm um there's mm -hmm. there's just so much that cannot be a, accounted for and um and i feel like this is also coming to the fore again what do you feel about about this in general as a fairly new mother and just a woman in general because this really is strikes to the core of of womanhood um what do you what do you think about this well, it gets me fired up. <laughs> I don't often get fired up, by the way, but this gets me fired up. And, um, you know, I keep seeing all of these gay couples who uh, they essentially buy a child. And it's a big moral ethical dilemma over what rights they have. Can, can you purchase a child like you would a product? And, um, you know, th that becomes your child for the next 18 years and specifically i saw shane dawson the um youtuber shane dawson speaking of titanic he changed his last name after jack dawson in the titanic i'm pretty sure hmm. um but he had all these he left the internet a few years ago um after all these allegations against him uh making these really crash jokes about pedophilia and um, claiming to have had sex with his cat and things like that. And he ended up getting married to another man in Colorado. And now they have sent their sperm off and they're expecting, like what the news says, expecting twins with this surrogate, two male twins, by the way. And, and um, it's celebrated. It's, it's celebrated like it's the greatest thing ever when he's been ran off the internet for essentially being a danger to children. And because they're a gay couple, he's in the good graces again because they're about to purchase two children. And I, then I see all these male couples 
who purchased these children and then they're in the hospital and the nurse has to physically force them to hold the baby. They don't have that instinct. Like they watch the baby come out and they're, you know, they don't know what to do. They don't have that instinct because they really, this is the first time they're having any, any interaction with their child whatsoever. And no, anyway, I, I, I know. I'm, I'm, listen, listen, I'm with you. I, you're, you're, don't don't think that you're. This is all uh, not saw, falling on I deaf saw ears. Some girl who was like, "I'm ready to start a cult to end this," and I was thinking, "I'm ready to join it. <laughs> I'm ready to join it to end it." It's just so crazy because I thought we fought a whole war, allegedly the civil war over the purchasing of people. Like you're not supposed to purchase people, but all these gay couples are just willy nilly purchasing purchasing children left and right now I know celebrated I know uh, and um, you know there's that's one aspect of it and of I think that what you always have since you are the type that will dig deeper and ask ask the bigger more Aldous Huxley questions about what's going on here I I tend to see uh, these patterns forming where you have the socio-political aspect of a situation that lines up and really keeps people fighting over what is the real, you know, what what, what are the nuts and bolts of the situation right here? What is the civil rights aspect of the situation? Who has the right to be a parent and who doesn't? And they have us, you know, fighting over here. Things that that in itself are, are actually very important topics to to uh, to to tackle all you know sad topics that were actually been driven to this point, but still, while that's all going on, the parallel is that these laboratories, these uh, these foundations, these these institutions all over the world constantly put out these these uh, uh, these uh, announcements of new um, I don't know some some new innovation in birthing um, the those silicon sacks the the birthing sacks the artificial wombs they tell us about that they talk about having being able to create embryos with more than two people's dna so they're obviously what we are going towards scientifically is the creation of these brave new world hatcheries where they actually want to take mother and father out of the equation altogether it's almost as if we were just here for a few thousand years until science could bring us to the next level. That nature was just a stopgap measure. And, and it, it just continues to spiral out like that, and nothing feels right about it. No, nothing feels right about it, and it's the new religion, and people just bow down to it. And I have a question. I want to pose it to the audience. I want to pose it to you. Do you believe that a child born in, you know, whatever, sheep, lamb, utero whatever in a lab do they have a soul i'm glad you asked that it's the question i've asked people this is the question i pose to people grace i i don't know i wonder you know i think and, and this ties into the other um phenomenon that i bring up as much as i can too which is the npc phenomenon i wonder is it that everybody is it that is it sperm and ovum they come together, and there is just just because of the DNA, is it that they're plugging into each other, and finally, what you have there is just that spark of life and that spark of divinity that's written into our code. Is that what is really starts it? Is that the, the inception of the soul? Um, yeah. it, regardless of what, and then once you go into life, when you're socially being evolved, is there a way that that spark can be dulled? 
you know, it, it, is everybody really born with a soul or is, and is it dulled over time or is it possible that some people really could be empty vessels? I don't, I don't know what the circumstances would be for either, but it's, it's a question I ask myself all the time. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, and it ties into the, you know, the lady on the plane, this mf -er isn't real, you know, NPC, is he just like an NPC? What was she saying? What is the, what is the overall message there? Yeah, so, so, so then what do you, obviously you ask yourself that question, do you ever, pond, how far do you go with your, your pondering of, of the answer? What, what do you think? I don't know, no, I'm going to say no, hard no on that one. Okay. <laughs> I don't think they have a soul. I think it's an incomplete person. When they're when you bring science in versus you know intelligent design, um, you know creationism. Like I believe there's some element there that the the math ain't adding up. The math ain't math, and even though it looks like a person, and it's you know like vanilla flavoring. It's it, there's something there's not something not right about it. Okay, so then there has to be something about the parents, the act of conception. What is what is transferred? What is what is it about the act of conception then that would impart a soul that would actually uh, grant the, the the privilege of the child to be able to receive that? So th these are the bigger they, that's the the depth below that. Yeah. So well, even in in my I think about this even in mice and stuff like that. They have these epigenetic fears that are deeply embedded throughout. They do it with fear um, that are deeply embedded throughout these families of mice. So specific DNA lines carry this specific information, you know, through generations. What information is being carried if you're created in a a pig uterus mm. in someone's sterile lab what is there and you know beyond fear there must be so much more information being carried there right right absolutely i'm i'm with you on that <laughs> i am and i think that uh, I, I can't wait to see what people write into the show on everybody i i'll check in on the super chats and stuff like that and this is the one thing grace i have not gotten to figure out yet how i can take calls with a guest on because these are great great topics we kick that that yeah. can open and hell hey, we can go anywhere with that all right so there we did with surrogacy we're talking just about the general mental makeup of people right now it seems that we are all over the place i want to get into a little bit more anniversary issues here and when i say anniversary i mean one year now grace after the georgia guidestones sudden demise you have covered this extensively and there are still two at least two nagging questions two nagging questions last uh, that were asked last week by jimmy corsetti and that we've all asked ourselves at one point or another number one is what happened to this car that was caught on tape what happened to that time capsule? What was in it? And maybe the third big, the third question is, I mean, what was the purpose of the demolition? Uh, have you thought about this at all uh, in the year that has passed? Yeah, it seems like they had all this evidence that somebody bombed them, them Godstones, and you know they had all the car footage and the the timestamps and everything, and uh, nothing came of it. Nothing happened. Nothing. And you'd think if they had a real 
a, a real lead on that something would have happened but they they demoed the guide stones not 12 hours after they were blown up so was there a deep forensic investigation that took place on you know what actually went down exploded if there were explosives used or what i i don't know but have you have you been have you been to the Guidestones before? No, no. And I know that this is in your, well, I mean, it's in your state. I don't know how close you are to it, but I this, I, I know this is also why you took personal interest in it, because this is a very obscure thing that is just sitting in your backyard. Yeah. It, and it's, I've been twice, okay. And on both, on both occasions, and this is a common story amongst people who bring their cameras there and whatever, there's 50 million cameras at the Georgia Guidestones all pointed at you your license plates it's a five acre parcel in Elberton County which is the granite capital of the world apparently and um and when I went the first time there were all these people there who they would basically follow you around I don't mean to sound paranoid I've never I've never had a situation like this but um, they follow you around while you're there. It's like they're just NPCs following you around at the Guidestones at all times, just like uh, saying things like, oh, f- 500 million, keep the keep the population under 500 million. Hmm. Sounds good. If there were less people in the world, just people making random commentary. NPC to- comments. NPC comments and you engage them in conversation like where are you from oh I'm from here I'm from I'm from here I'm just hanging out you know it was it was so strange and the second time we went my drone didn't work the first time so I went a second time because I had to get that that red spot on top of the guide stones you know what I'm talking about that they said was algae or or whatever I didn't know this um Okay, so for the aerial view of the Guidestones pre-demolition, there was a, this big red spot on the on the capstone that looks like people, you know, have been up there getting sacrificed if you want to let your imagination run wild. It's very red, and, um, you know, they built this with such skill, you'd think that if it were algae or fungus or something like that, They'd have, they have proper water drainage. It, you can see the North Star from any point through the hole in the Guidestones. It, it was so expertly built, you know, the, all the sacred geometry. You'd think they could build a capstone with water runoff so it, so it didn't collect in the center and make a, a red spot. It was so strange. Mm. But anyway, so I went there the first time my drone wouldn't work. It was user error. It wasn't any interference or anything like that it was it was me so i went a second time and i had the same situation where a guy from elberton county is just following you around the entire time not looking at the stones or anything just watching you so um it was strange but um back to our topic here i think that they were destroyed by Elberton County owns them. They're a huge source of revenue for Elberton County as far as like visitorship and and tourism. You got to pay to see um, them? You got to pay? You do not have to pay, but there is a granite museum that is uh, associated with the Guidestones where you can go and check it out and you do have to pay for that. 
Um, but there's nothing else going on in that town except for the Guidestones. So it created a lot of interest. And um, do I think they destroyed it? It was in their care. They are the ones who pay for the for the upkeep, the um, groundskeeper, the cameras. They're the one who have people watch the cameras. I don't know. I don't, I still I don't see the incentive there because it created so much revenue for them. Yeah. So I'm not sure, but if it was a rogue individual. I think we would know by now. Totally. It, it was made so obvious. What do you, who do you think, who did it? I don't, well, you've already checked off, you, you've crossed off two reasons why, two of the, the suspects for me. Uh, if it were the county, as you said, there would be, that would be just like cutting off your nose to spite your face. Why? Because every once in a while, somebody spray paints it and you have to scrub it off. It's too much of a liability. Right. I mean, so, so that's num- number one. I, I don't, I don't even consider that. Number two. A rogue individual, uh, yeah, they, they would have found they would have found them. They would have found them. I mean, they still the news coverage still hinted at white uh, right wing extremism being a part of conspiracy theory mindset, and that's probably what's going on there. But you think that they would want to hold up their trophy bass for the for for the cameras? Now, right, that makes me wonder about one thing, and and, and like you said. They tampered with their own crime scene. They cleaned it up within hours. I can't, you can't tell me that there was a full forensic whatever investigation within that first 12 hours, and they decided we got to get this thing down and get it out of here quick, everything gone. So it makes me wonder, was it A, a retrieval mission for the time capsule, and or, and or uh, the signifying of a transition into a new phase of a long publicized plan maybe maybe it was it was symbolic to say that you know this is this is over the revelation of the method we we showed you this for however many years and now it's time to go and i don't know i think that maybe the thing that gets me most uh titillated is thinking about that being in some way shape or form related to a retrieval mission for this fabled time capsule so, and by the way, you've right. been you've been to the site. Do you know whereabouts it was? Is it underneath the actual structure? Well, it says on the little informational concrete thing that the time capsule is buried underneath. So, they had all those pictures of the excavator digging for the time capsule. There was no time capsule, which I don't believe. <laughs> that is silly. Of course, there was a time capsule. They're just not telling us, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it, it, it said that the time capsule was right under where all the information was to be retrieved at a date that had not yet been inscribed. Hmm. Okay. I think there, there you have it. Uh, yeah. well, you know, um, so it makes you wonder because there's so many things that, that are at this point a year later around the same time we, it is all kind of hinting at transitions all over the place this great reset this entire that's kicked off really in earnest in 2020 it, it this has been um accelerating to such a degree I, and i don't know if you saw this too it was about two days before the official one-year anniversary of the guidestones they had unveiled this thing in in las vegas it is a giant sphere in las vegas that is just as weird hold on let me put it up on screen between you and i here, ladies and gentlemen, this is in Las Vegas. It is a 
giant ball pretty much in the middle of the of the entire city. They say this Las Vegas, the city that never sleeps, has unveiled the MSG Sphere, a remarkable arena with a price tag of $2.3 billion last night. That is on uh, July, I think, 4th. They turned on the lights for the very first time. The MSG Sphere boasts an impressive 580,000 square feet and features a fully programmable LED screen, making it the highest resolution LED screen in the world. Additionally, it houses the most advanced concert audio system. And Grace, listen to this. It includes atmospheric elements like wind and scent to enhance overall experience for things that are going on there. Scent. Wind and scent. I don't like that. I don't like it when they spray you with stuff like at Ikea. I know. Probably estrogen. (laughs) Something like that. And it sucks because you know what? It is pretty, I mean, look at this. It turns into a jack-o'-lantern. You have a giant jack-o'-lantern in the middle of the city. In many ways, it is I like how that's the eye. It reminds me of Mordor. Right, right. And it is, it is a technological marvel, and if we were living in any other era of this of this world's history, I'd say, holy, wow, that's just, that's incredible. But everything seems so ominous these days, even the most, uh, the most remarkable things that are created. Right, and it's supposed to house, what, 18,000 people? And I'll, this sounds schizo, but I, every time I see 18, I'm like, six plus six plus six is 18. <laughs> like, every time they do the 18. So I, um, Las Vegas is an interesting choice. MSG, What? I am caught up on the title of this company that built it, MSG. I think of MSG, Chinese food. Fake, I, just I, fake I think of Madison Square Garden, so I, I don't even know what it means, <laughs> MSG, to be honest. But yeah, MSG, either, either the Chinese food additive or just a another place. I don't know. Well, didn't you say that they're building another one in London? So do we get like the full, the full? Uh, we get the military eye, we get the banking eye, and will we get one at the Vatican too, like they do the obelisk? I don't know. At, at this point, you know, if the Louvre is uh, is able to survive another couple of years of the, uh, the, 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 the social meltdowns that they have going on over there, they might just put it right in the center of Paris, too. But, you know, speaking of London and speaking of transitions and everything else, did you observe any of the, the Joe Biden and King Charles interactions? You've done a lot on King Charles as well. Um, his whole life story and, and, and from there until now. Have you, um, have you observed any of these, these, these strange interactions out there in the UK? Oh, for sure. With this whole climate thing they're doing. I'm very interested in this whole royal protocol and how Joe Biden just uh, um, totally dismissed it. It looked like when he was getting out and you know shaking hands with Charles, that he was clinging to Charles. You're not supposed to touch the royals, apparently. That he was clinging to Charles's arm like you know a dementia patient would, shuffling his feet. And at one point, Charles kind of like swats his hand away. It's like get off me, <laughs> you know, when they're about to go up the stairs. But yeah, for sure, I saw this and the whole the whole climate business dirty business they're raising finances for um the the uh climate terrorism the eco-terrorism they're about to inflict on us all yeah i'm going back to what you said about the 
holding each other up. At one point, it did look, it looked like there was a, almost a mutual embrace. You know how some guys will get together and they'll grab each other's forearms, that whole gladiator strength and honor kind of mm-hmm. a thing. But it, it, that was just for a fleeting second because like you said, it almost seemed like Joe Biden wanted to be led around and supported it just seems so feeble and it's it it is it is very odd you can tell that and then he was sitting he was standing in a room with no chairs it was biden and it was charles at the front there then there was two lines of people with john Kerry on the left of them all and Kerry was there addressing people who he himself said to the one camera that was in the room that they represented trillions of dollars in assets first of all if you can fit all those people into one room and have trillions of dollars being spoken for then why the hell are you taxing us and putting it into the imf the world bank why do you need to tax us to turn down the uh, the thermostat of the world right and um and, and then he's again talking about how we need to accelerate this transition and what's going on right now the the digital currency tests um the the housing situation is going nuts we got to talk about that in a little bit but oh man, it's uh that that it's just always very interesting to be able to peek in on this stuff. I just watching the interaction between Charles and Biden. Everyone was trying to say that him holding on to Charles like that was a show of dominance. That he was <laughs> totally um, you know dismissing the royal protocol and walking in front of Charles as a show of dominance and touching Charles and hanging on to him dominance. But that's not what it reads to me at all. I see a very weak president in the midst of, you know, uh, this in, entire monstrosity. And um, did you see that the uh, Spanish president flew to the cl- whole climate thing in a private jet and 100 yards away from the photo op, she got on a bike and <laughs> then just pedaled in like she had just came from Spain and uh, like, here I am, guys. I didn't just fly here on my private jet. No right, worries. Right. And, and, the, and the thing the thing that was most hilarious is that even if she and a couple of her, you know, her, her closest confidants over there got onto the bike at the airport and went the whole however many miles to this actual this site of this conference that they were having. Uh, they were being accompanied by by cars, by security, by people right. in cars. So it was such a – you wonder, are there really people left in the world where this kind of over-the-top stage pageantry really, really plays with? Do people really still see that as authentic – as authentic, um, uh, I don't know, acts? I, I, I can't believe it. I guess there's some, but how many are left? It is just so over-the-top canned. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I, there must be somebody out there who is watching it and saying, oh, my gosh, I have to have that bike. And <laughs> I'm going to go trade in my car and get rid of my gas stove and, you know, uh, eliminate my carbon, maybe offer myself self up for Canadian assisted suicide. I, so we so we can fight climate change, apparently. Well, you want to know what's actually really scary that uh if if the the nut jobs who run New York City get their way, you are going to be able to legally in Georgia go and get yourself a coal or a wood fire oven pizza and not in New York. You the fact that they that they are even thinking about getting rid of wood and coal 
fire ovens in New York City um, because of some because it it affects some marginalized group or one thing or another. The fact, if that goes through, the fact that you will be able to get a coal fire pizza in Georgia, but not one of any of the five boroughs, that is going to be twilight zone. So that's like that. It screams, "I'm erasing culture." I'm erasing culture out of New York City. It's like if you took our if you took our cast iron pans away from us in Georgia, that's the equivalent. We can't make cornbread anymore. That's the cultural equivalent to me. Erasing it. Erasing it all. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's 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 all about erasing what you can call your own. Um anything. Even if it's just something like your your cast iron pan or something like that, but especially especially real estate now i actually had a friend who was who lived in georgia and moved out about a year and a half ago after a um a uh, a change in you know a couple of life changes and they had to move and sell their house and their house i remember she was telling me she was fixing up this house to be sold for a long time and she was worried about oh man you know i I, I just don't know. I, I want to be able to get out of here quick, but I just don't know how long it's going to take for this house to go. Well, on the second day that the house was listed, she got three offers, one bigger than the next. And she she ended up selling by the second week with the asking price that was 30% higher than what she was looking for. And, of course, it was tied into these giant black rock kind of... Uh, of course. Uh, yeah, and, and, and it continues to this day. So, I mean, this uh, this time last year, everyone was catching on to the uptick in in real estate consumption by these huge companies. Um, What do you think about this that's going on with not only the the current housing situation, which is starting to get uh, really testy again, and then the emergence of digital currency and those tests going on? I think they're taking all of our assets away from us in whatever means they can. Um, I've been paying attention to all this real estate stuff randomly because in my head, I am concerned that my daughter is not going to be able to buy a house in 20 years, given the opportunities that I was, because it's just going to be too expensive. Mm. So we're talking about, you know, becoming like slumlords and getting a rental or something like buying a rental. So I'm paying extra close attention to the whole housing market and um you know in it's becoming harder and harder to acquire property which has been a age old way of making an investment having a sound investment in an asset so in states like california and florida they're they're doing what is considered a legal theft of property my friend who is a real estate agent showed me this where insurance companies are leaving California on the exclu- on this whole excuse of climate change, which we were just talking about, and um, you know how all these wildfires are ravaging California every summer, and there's not an uptick in wildfires apparently. We have the same amount of wildfires, but the damage is significant because people uh, allegedly are not managing them very well. Hmm. So. Um, paired with this whole excuse of climate change and rapid inflation, basically insurance companies are having to pay a lot more 
for a loss than they were in the past. So like, a, you know, uh, if you have a million dollar house in California, which sounds like a lot to me, but the average house is $400,000 now in the, in the United States. Um, you were paying $1,800 before a year in homeowner's insurance, which gets piled into your mortgage every year and you just pay on that. But now they're facing $10,000, $15,000 um, in their homeowner's insurance per year. So it's pricing people out. It's widening this whole wealth gap that we have um, at an accelerating rate. And I mean, if you can't afford to pay your insurance, it's unlikely that if you go uninsured that you'll be able to afford to build, rebuild your house, of course. So insurance companies are leaving simply because they can't make money anymore. And that's going on in Florida too. And so it, it's like only the Black Rocks of the world will be able to afford housing in California in the future. Only the, you know, the elite of elite, the millionaire billionaires will be able to afford housing in California and Florida. Oh, you know, and, and go, 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 go sorry. Ahead. No, 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 no. Keep going. No, uh, well, I, all I was going to say is I had some notes on Florida. So they were um, 13 company insurance companies have left Florida. This is like a mounting problem in the last year where the insurance companies are just being are, are going insolvent and like farmers insurance all state the big names not just little route to you know insurance companies so there's no housing affordability because you can't you can't pay the the insurance on the house like you, you just can't afford it average people can't do it so i um i'm watching that and i'm not seeing housing prices going down like, I, I don't see it, and it's making me think of this whole great reset, what they said, you'll own nothing and be happy, but I don't see happiness on the horizon of owning nothing. No. No, because it, cause owning nothing and, and the possession of things, property, anything like that to make your own, to be the, the master of your own domain, no matter how small your little strip of land is, this, has been, oh, this is a part of the human condition. And of course, anything that is that is that is existing on this level of the of the greatest social engineers that we have out there, it is always in direct contra uh, you know direct uh, contradiction of all of these things that make us human. Everything, I mean, it's human ambition, the family, everything. It's it's always in complete opposition of that. And you know. Um, this is only going to get count compounded by something else. Listen to this story. Yesterday when I was leaving the my house and I was coming to the studio, I actually bumped into a buddy of mine. He was coming back from work and I was just, you know, catching up with him for a couple of minutes and I was talking to him. He works in finance around here and I bumped into him and he, he was telling me that business, that his business has more than tripled in the last few months. And they have to look for bigger offices and all that other stuff because, and most of his new business is coming from debt consolidation on the backs of all of these COVID loans that are now being called. Um, he said, and what he was describing is the same exact conditions that led us to the 2018 crash, where they're giving everybody these home, these mortgages, and you knew they were not going. He's, he's telling me, he's like, Frank, you know, I, 
I, I hate, I almost hate to be doing so well to be called in to do mop-up duty after the government once again issues all of these predatory loans or giving 40000 just asking. You, you ask the government for $40,000, they're going to give it to you, and you have a credit score of less than 600. This is the kind of things, the money that they were just giving the people again. It's all the same things, only now it was the, the, these credit lines have been thrown out there under the guise of COVID. And it's not even a guise. They first put people out of work. They forced them into these detrimental situations where they needed money. You know, you're begging for a loan at that point, but it's just as bad. And then I think about what the ultimate aim was for all of these these rent moratoriums. I mean, the bills on the rent moratorium, those are still accruing. The interest is still mounting up. So uh, people were going to be displaced uh, eventually. But now there is this there's even more reason than ever for landlords to go and sell what they have divest because it's just bad enough that you can't turn anyone down for a residency. You can't kick anybody out if they're a bad renter. But how do you fight insolvency when the government disallows you from making any moves that keep you solvent? And that's just on a, a you know, you, you and I are talking about small family homes. But what about the person who owns an apartment building and thought that they'd be able to pass that down to their children? They're taking everything. Yeah. they. I mean, it's it, the whole passing anything down to your children is becoming more and more rare even with these whole do you have them where you live where they're they're putting up essentially cracker box neighborhoods at the beginning of covid i had a neighborhood near me that was being built and it said starting from the 190s and by the end of covid the same house is being built we're starting from the 400s so in a matter of two years, they jumped from same house, same builder, same neighborhood, same new house, jumped from one ninety to four hundred thousand dollars. How? And they're they're not built to last. Nothing is anymore. Um, and what will they look like in the in fifteen years? They're not going to be standing in fifteen years. It's the cheapest materials. It's people who bought at the top of COVID are never going to be able to get out of their mortgage because they have a 6% interest rate at $400,000 and they have a $700 car payment, both, you know, the husband and the wife. What are you leaving your children? You're not. You're just not. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing. Um, my gosh. So that's a, that's a big one, uh, Grace. They're essentially nationalizing housing and and then I guess internationalizing housing because we're, we, well, this is only the American front of what's going on around the world and the chickens right. are going to come home to roost for all of that soon. Um, well, I have a couple of, a couple other things I, want, I would like to do before we leave. The first one, I guess the, the bigger one. Did you see this clip Roseanne Barr on with, uh, with Pierce Morgan on Monday night? I saw it going around. What did she say? Okay, I have a two-minute clip here. Uh, she was on with Piers Morgan Monday night, and she couldn't restrain herself after hearing the network's Ukraine coverage going on in her ear monitor. And it's a two-minute clip. I'm just going to let her go, and then I would love to hear all your thoughts on whatever the hell you want to talk about, and then uh, and we'll, and we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. So here is Roseanne Barr on, what was this, two nights ago with Piers Morgan. They cannot hold two disparate ideas in their head at the same time because they're fed bullshit 
24-7 over the media. And I'm mm -hmm. about to go crazy sitting here on the earphone hearing the stuff you all are saying about the Ukraine. I'm about to have a heart attack, but I'm not even going to go into it. <laughs> I'm from the Ukraine. The Ukrainian, the Ukrainian, the, there is a large faction of Nazis. I don't know if you know this, but there's a large amount of Nazis in the Ukraine, and they actually killed my whole family. Um, I'm from the Ukraine, and they marched my entire family, grandmothers, great-grandparents. Oh, Ten siblings yeah, out into the forest and buried them alive in the Ukraine. So I don't understand why everybody's Ukraine. Ukra well, I do understand, and that's also what terrifies me. People better wake up and do some research on their own instead of buying what comes across on the screen. And I try I mean, to shake them up, Pierce. You're goddamn right I do. I try to shake them up and crack their, their mind control programming. I do it for God. Ukraine. I know what you said, and you're perfectly entitled to your views. I would say in relation to the suggestion that they're all a bunch of you Nazis... You haven't the seen the swastikas well, well, on those Rosa, soldiers' on, arms. The it's President in the Zelensky news. The President himself is Jewish, so obviously he is de facto not a Nazi. I know, but he's not a good one. Are, are, are all Jews the same? For God's sake, talk about anti-Semitic. Just because the guy's a Jew doesn't mean he likes Jews or that he's doing anything good for the Jews. I mean, so what? Who cares what anybody is? That was the whole point of my tweet. Just because they're just because they're skin folk, don't mean they're kin folk. You know what I mean? Just because they're the same color as you, don't mean they ain't trying to lock your ass up. Wake up, people! Wow, <clears throat> Grace, what do you think? She's so she's so zesty. <laughs> that was so funny. Um, you know. There are a lot of clips out of the Ukraine of people wearing the Nazi memorabilia, the soldiers. I, uh, where does the support for Ukraine stem from? I really don't understand it. And I am more concerned. I, I agree with Roseanne. You know, who? I don't want to say who cares about Ukraine. Certainly there are good people there who are suffering under the weight of globalism and uh, conquest and this proxy war between us and Russia uh, in, in the Ukraine. But I'm more concerned with uh, what's going on here. I don't know what's going on there. Like they show stuff on the screen. Is anything real? What they show us is anything real? Don't know. I don't know. And and that's another thing that the, the, the Zelensky guy the, talking about chickens coming home to roost soon. That guy continues to get more and more isolated. The bloom has come off the rose. I would have to imagine that Sean Penn is not going to be going over there to give him an Oscar again anytime soon. The bloom is off that rose. And I, it's just, oh, man, you, you talk about things, things that are just kind of simmering in the background. Yeah, there there is no interest of ours out there aside from what the people, the same old people, gave us. The same old official story writers, the same old narrative uh, hawkers. That it's the same thing, and I, I, I don't know. I I like when when somebody even goes up there and and just just screams. I would love to hear more people go on on television and scream like her. Yes, that was so satisfying. Good for her. I saw her on this uh, Theo Vaughn podcast doing much the same. 
and uh, you know talking about these pressing issues. But uh, 400 million trillion to Ukraine every week, but nothing. How are we improving our nation? How are we improving our people? How are we we enhancing our children's lives? You know, why are we in the Ukraine? We need to be in the U.S. Like 13, what is it? 13 different cities don't have drinkable water. I don't mean to sound like a lib over here, but like throw some money at that if you're going to throw taxpayer dollars around. Can you throw some there? And Zelensky is over there dancing in high heels naked on TV. He's the biggest, you know, puppet there is. There's only, I think it's the, the drinkable water cities. There's no reason to go there and, um, and, and campaign anymore. That's just really what it is. We are constantly trying to live our lives in the backgrounds of these people who exist on industrial levels of criminality, just managing their own business interests around the world. We are we're just in the backgrounds, and then we're also the people who co-sign on all the loans they need to go out there and ruin the world. That's what gets me most upset is um, you're never going to rid the world of bad, bad people. But what, what do we when, when we are being when we're being abducted by those people and forced to foot the bill for the, the worst, the worst atrocities that could ever have been recorded on mankind. That's just what we come down to, the where do we go next. And I guess that's where I want to leave off. A little bit of a, on a high note, where do you go for solace, Grace? Obviously, you, you have your child, you have a family, and, and you, I, but I know you know the good things in life. And, and where do you go to immerse yourself in, uh, in, a, in an environment that just the outside world can't get in? Well, I have been, <laughs> it's funny you ask this now because I've been kind of off of Twitter for the last month because I can't handle the trannies anymore. Like the trannies were really getting to me on the gay pride month. It was just too much. So I had to leave the internet for a little while. And um, I'm really big into gardening now because it's practice for the apocalypse, <laughs> which, you know, I'm I'm working on my apocalypse skills. Gardening is my apocalypse skill. Canning, like learning new things that enhance our lives should the, I mean, I'm not quite the doomer, but these things are good to know. Learning new things. I like to um, read trash books and just hang out with my family then that's that's pretty much it i live a slow life i don't get on the internet unless i have to every day for a specific purpose and i purposely do not consume this information passively it is with intent that i consume it so i try not to let it affect me um in the deep deepest depths that they wish it would you know for everybody so that's what I do. I mean, I'm out there gardening. I'm like a peak heat hour, 12 p.m., 1 p.m. outside, um, just just out there. <laughs> yeah, that's a wonderful Planting way of putting it, the passive consumption of media. Um, and, I, and obviously I know exactly what you're talking about when you are, you know, as it pertains to your work. I know how meticulous you are with your work just because I you know, aside from enjoying your your published videos and everything, I love analyzing your craftsmanship. I, it really these are works of art. So it's so I understand what you mean by I'm coming in to grab information with the intent of incorporating it into this piece I'm working on, and then I'm out. 
And I, I, that's, I, I think that's something that I have to be more mindful of too, the passive the passive consumption of it where the residue just stays, just sticks to you and you, you don't leave it behind enough. That's thank you for articulating it that way. Oh, sure. Uh, Sure. You know, it can be really easy to fall into. I call Twitter like a little portal to hell because it curates your own personal hell. And so does the news cycle every single day. So you have to be really mindful of what you take in and just leave most of it behind. You know, uh, get get what you need from it, whatever you're there for, but don't carry it with you throughout the day. Well, Grace, I, uh, I I can't wait to have you back again. It's uh, it, this has been so wonderful. Uh, it, and tonight is Rabbit Hole Wednesday on QuiteFrankly.tv, and as a, uh, a for a good part of our after-hour programming tonight, we are going to feature some of your best work and like all time, and then some of your recent work as well. So it's going to be like a a awesome. uh, really graceful. Uh, uh, marathon on quite frankly TV after we get off here but what are you working on next anything you can give us a preview into and how should people keep up with your work and support you well I'm you know I'm working on a new book I have several ideas maybe I'll do volume two to the deep state encyclopedia that might be up I, I have so many different ideas as far as videos right now I'm very concerned with what is happening here and how it affects all of our lives. So I'm looking at the real estate market. I'm looking at the pace that everything is accelerating as far as them stealing our assets from us. And um, as we move at a grueling pace towards 2030, these dominoes just following. So I'm, I'm paying attention to that. You can find me on YouTube at really graceful or really graceful.com. I'm really graceful everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, Pretty much everywhere so you can find me there well grace have a wonderful wonderful evening we'll talk soon and keep up the great work this has been a another splendid trip through the uh the the, the i don't know what what is this <laughs> another trip through the airwaves with you is a really enjoyable evening Thank you. It's always a pleasure. I think you're great. I've been following your work for years, and I always enjoy my time talking to you. Okay. Well, until next time, have a good one. You too. All right. Be well. There you go. There is really graceful. Grace is taking off, kicking off down that dusty trail back into real life. And I'm going to go on a really quick break here, too, for intermission. We are not done, though, because now we have more than enough time for your calls, your super chats. So... You have anything bouncing around inside your head from whatever we covered here tonight, but before Grace came on, during Grace's call, which I think that that was just a a bounty. That was a bounty of stuff right there. 914-200-0269 or jump into the Gilded. Jump into the Gilded. I will be in there taking your calls in the voice room and uh, and yeah, that's that'll that'll be it. Jump in. We will be right back. In a flash. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah. Intermission.
shorter second half but man what we filled up the time just splendidly tonight indeed we did so that Vegas sphere what'd you think about that look at this thing again hold on take a look at this the hell's that sound shut your mouth there's the jack-o-lantern look at the moon Imagine you're going down the highway and you're driving alongside of this gigantic sphere that is lit up in perfect HD LED screens all the way around that looks like our moon. Look at that. I'm driving alongside of that. There's the earth just rotating over the, uh, the peaks of the buildings. It's got a sunny side. It's got a night side. What else is there? You already saw there's a kind of a, a, a shimmery metallic. There was the eyeball that we saw before. There's just so much. I mean, listen, it is very impressive. It's very impressive. It's also a complete distraction. I can't believe, I can't believe that it got approved just on account of that it is a huge driving distraction. So I give you... All right, 914-200-0269. I'm also hanging out in the Gilded. We got the general waiting room in there. There's first-time caller line, an international caller line. You're more than welcome to come by. Um, let's see here. Into the grab bag or into the Super Chats we go. Stostoop says, Frank and Frankly's great hump day. Yes, it was a good one tonight. Katie... Katie Skye says, I think Orthodox Christians say the soul enters the fetus at 40 days 
and the Quranic teachings say 120 days. The neural tube fully closes around 28 days. Nerves start growing and firing, uh, firing shortly thereafter. Maybe that first spark of nerves firing is it. There's, there's plenty there to, to create a pretty uh, solid theory. I wonder what you guys think. I'm glad that, that Grace thinks about that too. 914-200-0269. J-Dog28 on the Rumble Rant says, Love you all on Rumble. Thank you, J-Dog. SMD0317 says, Great episode as usual, Frank. I bought Grace's book. I love the discussion. Very happy to hear it. I really am. On Pilled, on QuiteFrankly.tv, Robert Sarns, Doug Simi, Pod Hermit, Bacon Slut, and Sean Joe. I appreciate you guys with those with those gold pills. And I hope that you're all hanging out on QuiteFrankly.tv as, as we wrap up here at 9. Because um, Rabbit Hole Wednesday is going to be great. All right, let's see here. In Gilded, Friggin' Person Head is with me over here on the line. And now they bounced out. Let's take a call. 403, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Frank, this is uh, Josh calling from Red Deer, Alberta. I can't believe I actually got in. Oh, what's going on, Josh? I'm happy you did. And you probably just checked off somebody's bingo box. They do a caller bingo on uh, on Gilded. And I think I think that uh, I think that caller saying, I can't believe I got in, is one of the boxes. So you just gave somebody a box. All right, go ahead. Awesome, perfect. Well, congratulations to that guy or girl. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say, great show. Um been listening for i think the past year and um <clears throat> excuse me yeah i just want to say thanks to uh my buddy jesse who i work with who got me to watch your show and since then i don't know just been a great pleasure listening to you and learning some uh, new things hey does jesse does jesse still watch oh yeah every day yeah we talk about you guys all the time oh man have you get you guys ever watched together like have a watch party no, I uh, haven't got a chance to do that yet, but I'm sure we will sometime. <laughs> well, that's great. I, I, I like hearing about how everybody uh, shares the show with each other, and I, ho- I hope that you tell Jesse I said hello, and it's great to talk to you tonight, too. Is that all you wanted to say? If it is, that's fine, but um, I'm happy you got through. Yeah, well, I, I didn't really get to watch uh, most of the show. I just got home from work, so, yeah, just uh, have a good night, everyone, and God bless. All right, thank you, my friend, and pass the word along to all of your uh, your friends out there. Um, what was it? Uh, something along the lines of somebody sharing the show. What the hell was it? I just had something in mind and it just went away. Nine one four two hundred o two six nine. Let's try again on the gilded. Nope. Where the hell are they? Well, they bounced out. Well, we can go to other things here. Now I have a few emails that came in. And it's a little weird. You know, last night we were talking about the sea. Even with Grace, we came up tonight. All the things that make you not want to go into the sea, the ocean. Listen to this one. This is from Josh. I think this one's from Josh. Another Josh. says, hey, Frank, it's Josh from San Diego. I called into the show a few years back, and I... um, 
few years back and talked to you about being fired from the shipyards for not taking the vaccine. Anyways, I have a wild sea adventure story for you that most people would not believe. The year was 2018, I was 25 years old. My buddy and I were determined to catch some bluefin tuna. We had a 17-foot aluminum bay fishing boat with a 75-horsepower motor on the back. We knew it would be quite the adventure on such a small boat, but nonetheless, we launched for San Clemente Island at midnight, leaving San Diego Bay. The weather was very cloudy, so there was no light from the moon to be had. We were about 30 miles off the coast of San Diego, cruising at about 20 miles an hour straight west into the open sea and into the abyss of pitch dark. See, that scares me. Just as I nodded off to take a nap as my buddy was manning the boat. You nodded off? How the hell can you do that? As I nodded off to take a nap as my buddy was manning the boat, he woke me with a yell, and I could immediately hear the fear in his voice. I jumped to my feet. I looked at what he was I looked at what he was seeing and I couldn't believe my eyes. It was as if a purple torpedo. You heard me correctly. A purple torpedo was headed at our boat traveling easily 100 miles an hour. You can take my word for this as I played baseball at a collegiate level and I saw 90 to 100 miles an hour pitching with my own eyes every day. Not only was this purple object traveling at 100 plus miles an hour straight at our boat, it was also keeping our track perfectly as we were traveling west 20 miles an hour. After the first quote unquote purple torpedo, it was followed by five to 10 more, all identical and right after another. About three second intervals between each one passing, each passing directly under the exact center of our boat. Each purple torpedo left a purple trail of about 10 feet behind each one, almost like a tracer round. Whatever it was, it was tracking us and traveling in ways that I don't even know what what to compare it to. Me and my buddy did not know what to say to each other after this happened. Just a whole lot of what the F was that. To this day, neither of us can answer that question. That's my story. Thanks for reading, Josh. Whoa. So I have to imagine in the pitch black of night, the purple torpedo, you're talking about something that is glowing, something that you can make out the color. It's giving off something something that's bioluminescent. If it is biological at all, what the hell is that? And for it to be followed by five to ten other objects that had some kind of intelligent design to it because it is tracking the boat. It's outpacing the boat. It's just kind of toying with them. What the hell is that? And at those kinds of speeds underwater. I believe them. Do you? Let's take a call. 208, you're on the show. Who's this? Hey, Frank, it's uh, Calfu Cowboy. Oh, what's going on? What's going on, Calfu? Good to have you back on. What's on your mind? I was just listening to you and uh, really grateful, and she's one of my favorites too. So it was good to see her back on the show. Well, Cal, Cal Fu, I'm I, sorry. Wait, wait one second. Before we go on, I want to oh, clear up your audio. You're just, right. My bad. Sorry. Okay. There you go. Yeah, I'm good now. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you great now. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Um, okay, so you know we've communicated before. You know I email you and stuff, and you, so you know I'm an older guy. I'm 57. And so I have a different take on the whole internet thing than 
than your generation. And I really think that it, it still boggles my mind that somebody that I respect as much as you and as really graceful are just now having the conversation with yourselves about what Twitter really is. It's, I just can't understand how it didn't look like what it is when it came out. Like when it first, like when Facebook first came out, everybody thought it was just the greatest thing ever. I, I just couldn't understand how people didn't see what a childish thing it was right out of the gate. Uh, uh, is that all? You, I mean, I can, I can, I can, I can speak to that a little bit. I, I'd rather you get. Is that all you wanted to say? Well, um, I did want to give my take on the abortion question okay, that came up in your recent conversation. Um, I think it's simple, plain as day. If you have to do something that if you didn't do it, there would be a life that results, then you stop that life. It's just boom. It doesn't matter about the science, the numbers, the religion, none of that. If if Life would have, but you inter, you interfered. Boom. End of question. End of story. So that's just pretty much it. If you if you interfere with the the, the development of a life, then you end it. You end that developmental process, and you've killed a life. And the question becomes a non-question because if, like I said, if you had to do something in order to create the question that you could then argue about then you're guilty, just, just like I said, because you had to come up with a reason why you did what you did, not you, obviously, but, you know, why the person did what they did for this reason or that reason, this religion or non-religion or whatever. But as soon as you get into that conversation, you've already bait and switched or whatever, shell game the fact that you that you interfered. I, I, I totally get I I'm with you on that one. It's very simplistic uh, and simple and very truth truthful way of looking at it because of course you know you know cal Fu, and thank you for the call i'll take the, the twitter question now too the um uh that's the way that these arguments are are even presented now they have to be so convoluted and they have to be so injected with you know just crazy things that don't have to do with anything and they're making up terms and the more convoluted the more it seems like they have an argument but it's simplicity wins out as far as twitter goes as far as us, me, and Grace just realizing that what Twitter is, I mean, there's nothing to realize. Uh, I mean, it's a, it was a micro-blogging uh, site. At first, you know, that's where we would go to, to I, don't, I don't mean, connect with new people. I've always used it per, to promote our shows. It's a tool. Now, obviously, you get pulled into, you get pulled into the mud pit. And you have to learn how to not do that. I got to say, I, I mean, there's there's just that goes on. But to say that it was always this, I mean, it's just, it's technology. How are you going to use it? Again, it's an indifferent thing. And it's from a stoic uh, uh, angle, Twitter is an indifferent tool. It is all in the, the, uh, the hands of the user. And, of course, the society starts getting mirrored inside of that and it can go bad i mean what are you gonna say oh well there there was it was a great idea to have um highway rest stops i can't believe people didn't couldn't see this was going to turn into a a a, a, a gay orgy at some point or that people weren't going to leave their numbers on the on the wall in a bathroom somewhere and in uh and people start using bathroom st- rest stops for for things that they're not supposed to not just taking a leak you know I don't look at it like that. It's not like 
when things start getting bad and how culture on the internet and how people are expressing themselves or or finding new ways of just it's not like you can't see that something is going sour when it's going sour but i don't blame that just on the internet i know i have said this since before twitter like when twitter came out with what 2007 something around there youtube in 2005 it, it probably right around that same time, 2007 or so, already I saw just with Facebook. It's just one of those things where we were never, we were never designed for this kind of exposure. And as time went on, Twitter's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, there are so many different platforms out there. There's so many things that people go to for specialty content. There's just so much. And all it is is people putting out content, putting out their thoughts, trying to create something that is going to get passed down a little bit more than the the video or the picture you last put out. So it's more so a what do we do with this this net with digital networking technology in general. Twitter as a tool that just gets lost in the, into the fray of everything else. I think what Grace ended with was actually the most helpful thing to think about uh passive and in very intent driven interaction with these these platforms the the door opens up to so many different types of things that you can go and grab if you need it if you know what you're looking for the information the history you want to cross-reference something you you made some friends in the you, you know you know who to contact to be able to get to the next step of whatever you're trying to find out in that respect it's it's a good thing it's a fantastic thing and we just have to teach ourselves how to engage with it with intent and to avoid being very passive with it, to just allow it be, allow it to, uh, you know, feed into your subconscious constantly, constantly dominate your subconscious. So I think that was very, very profound point that Grace brought up at the end. Let's take a call from John. How you doing, John? Oh, hi. Is this Frank? Yes, yes. Good to have you on. Oh, okay, great. Um, this is uh, in regard to the woman on the on the flight. Yes. Um, there, there was a video that was posted either yesterday or the day before uh, with a guy from a guy who claimed to be on that flight sitting behind her uh, some number of rows. And it's a really weird kind of story he was saying uh, that... He could hear that she was carrying on a conversation with him, but the guy was, uh, it, it looked to him like the guy wasn't saying, wasn't speaking to her, but that she was getting some kind of response from him, almost as though like she were imagining, he didn't put it this way, but it, it just looked to him like he wasn't saying, he wasn't using his mouth. And then, um, either before or after the, uh, she stood up, and I can't remember what point, uh, the guy turned around and looked at him and uh, did this wink, except the wink was a, uh, like in the opposite, like the lids were coming from the sides rather than from Okay, yeah. And uh, so it was just kind of a, I thought that was a, a weird uh little story you know i i think i know what you're talking about i think i know what you're talking about there is a 
there was uh, he was a younger guy yeah well he had one of these faces i couldn't tell exactly uh i i do have to say my instinct was to not trust him from his face that's his prejudice well you know I, there's but, some uh, there's a couple of videos uh, there's at least one video that was going around a couple of days after this thing started making uh, headlines and I remember one of the first things that was pointed out about it was that when people traced it back to the original TikTok account where it was posted in the bio or in the description section of the video, it had made some kind of a statement of this is all fictional and I'm not telling the truth. None of it is true. So I don't know if this is the same person, but I do know that, that things like that were happening in the first couple of days. And, and honestly, after the first couple of hours... You know that all the footage you were going to get on this stuff was out there, and once you have all the, once this is all you have to go by, then I'm not going to listen to other people speculate anymore. I we, I just have to wait until this girl surfaces and takes a um, an interview with someone. I just wish that I had the ability to to flag her down. I wonder what she thinks right now. Thank you for the call, John. I wonder where she is and what she thinks right now because she has to know that this is going on. In fact, I've got a an email here from another John who has been communicating with the show for a long time and i would love to have him on one night because john told me um in on, on a number of occasions that he is an abductee and i would love to get him on for maybe like a saturday night interview or something this could get scary though and john said this he said frank i'm currently watching your friday show and came across the clip of the woman in the plane seeing something i can tell you for complete certainty that it happens I have in my life countless times seen and interacted with people that uh, their faces would change. I even had one time my sister-in-law experienced it along with me. In every occurrence with me, they are spirits and entities that would take over that person. It would always start out. It would always start out the same. A weird feeling in the air around me. My senses seemed to feel more alert. I would notice a person walking up to me, either walking up to me or by me. Their eyes would glaze over, their pupils will enlarge. They would stop, then turn their head to look at me. It is when I would see either a non-human face or a gargoyle-looking creature morphing from human face to non-human one. Most of the time, they would twist up their face and either yell out a growl, groan, or speak to me directly. Then after that happens, the air around me would snap, their eyes would blink, the body would twitch, and they would have a startled look on their face and walk by me. The growling and the groaning did not sound human. John. You can take that however you'd like. So, I think we live in a very strange and interesting universe, and I think that uh, a lot more is possible than we think. So, what do you think about that? All right, 914-200-0269. I'm going to try to bring in a gilded caller. 123SKG, are you there? Ah, and they bounce out. What the hell is that all about? I used to have the same problem on Discord. What the hell is that all about? So, um, maybe we'll get that again. Another John. What's going on, John? Three Johns in a row. Hey, it's John, man. You've been calling Johns. Uh, uh, there's too many Johns. John right? from Connecticut. There's What's... never too many Johns, man. If it wasn't for John, man, we'd be shitting in a hole. And John Crapper made the toilet and everything else. Holy cow, Frank, what do you think? 
Hey, well, I don't know. They just lie and do everything. Oh, well, yeah, you're right. I watched some. I watched some stuff today that just. I mean, I. Uh, I don't know. I just don't understand it. My parents, okay, they're both dead. They're both uh, World War II veterans, and I got to go down there and like camp on the graves because this shit is like fucking rolling around. Like that rolling hills in California, the houses are like moving down. I think I got to go straighten up their fucking tombstone. This is insane times we're living in. I don't even, I, I, I can't, ah, I just can't fucking, I don't get it. What do we do? <laughs> John, I, I was hoping. What that you, do we do? What I do was hoping do? that you would call in and you would have some answers, John. I was hoping that you would have some answers. All right. I know what to do. <laughs> all right. All right. I get Matt to help me out a little bit, and then we just, you know, get them all, round them up, we get the sheriffs involved, and we just take our business. You're right. You get all the sheriffs. Get all the sheriffs you can. Uh, well. Frank, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I pray for your uh, daughter's uh, future for sure because, I mean, I'm old, a little bit older than you, like twice as old as you or whatever, maybe not quite twice, but... Man, it's just nuts. Well, you know, John. And I don't know what we got to do, but we got to get together. Regardless if we like uh, Biden or if we like Trump, we just got together to get together as humans and just be friendly. You know, I think that's the, the most, the, one of the most uh, pr- poignant things you've said, John. And I, I would like to end the call right there because how, how, how much better can you get? We all need to be friendly with these. Thank you so much, John. And it, we need to be friendly with each other. Now, I know I can get a little, you know, the mockery. I can lay on the mockery very thick some nights, but that's just because I need to let off some steam. Other than that, I think this is a pretty chill uh, show based on true love. True love. And as far as Aurora, if, if my own life, the speed at which I went through 38 years is a testament and she's going to be 38 next week, and I'm going to be a fucking fossil the week after that. So, in the meantime, I will shield her the best I can, and that will be uh, the culmination of my the true cul- culmination of my life's work. And that's really what I, it's all about. <clears throat> she's going to be well taken care of, one way or another, and life will go on as it always does. The real thing here is, again, how do we go on with life and not allow all the, di- all the I won't call them distractions because there's a lot of things you got to pay mind to and you have to process and you have to, you have to game plan around. But I would say all of the things around you that kind of lure you into the, the time warp where you start losing precious days and hours of a life that it really goes by in a in an instant. That's it, and that's what it, that's what being that's what being passive about things does. It really it gives over time and moments that otherwise you should be conscious for and really um, I don't know a little bit more consciously invested in the moment. That we get pulled away from that a lot with all the way that this this stuff plays out uh sandra what's going on sandra you're on the air hello frank this is one two three skg oh hey 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 i couldn't, 
I couldn't get Gilded to work. Sorry. It's all right. I got a couple other people trying to get in. Uh, we have to figure it out because um, yeah, because it, it it's it's a wonderful thing. But I'm glad you were able to get over here. So what's going on, SKG? Yeah. I wanted to comment about the Roseanne clip. Okay, go ahead. I um I just loved it, but more interesting was um Pierce. I just um was interested in the way he was reacting to her. What do you think? Of what, what was most striking about his reaction? Obviously, he let her go, which is great. He didn't tell. Oh, we're going. We're going to break. I mean, he let her go. I mean, he tried to interject a little bit there, but ultimately, he yielded. I thought that was pretty. That was pretty good. And uh, but but what what uh, what's your take? I think he had a little tell that she was speaking the truth. <laughs> it could could very well be. You know, at this point, I think a lot of people are tired. Uh, I would yes. be, I would be tired of of carrying a lot of things. Somebody there are going to be people out there who carried water that are going to just be at their breaking point for one thing or another because the scams are just there's there's just ugh, I don't know. I don't know, but I enjoy your show and thanks for letting me call in. Well, it's great to hear your voice. For this, is the first time you called in. It is. Yeah, it's good. It's good to hear your voice. I I only know you through super chats over the years, and it's uh, yeah. it's great. To, it's good to personalize this a little bit more. I agree. Well, thank you for all you do, Frank. All right, have a good night. All right, bye bye. You too. That won't be the last time. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Let's see. Let's try again with friggin' person head. Do you hear me? Nope. No, they don't. No, they don't. Bunch of people trying to call in for some reason. All right, two, five, four. We're gonna get around to that in just a second. Um, Doug Simi, Cisco Kid, Chai Possum Swickly says, I actually got offered to work on that Vegas Sphere thingy. Wait till you see the inside. Wow, okay. Well, I guess I'll wait for that one. The outside is really breathtaking. It's very strange to have an, a blinking eyeball in the center of your your uh, infamous city there. But I'd love to see a little bit more on that. All right, so let's take a take another call or two. 914-200-0269. We're almost done here tonight. And then we have Rabbit Hole Wednesday that kicks off on QuiteFrankly.tv. Let's see here. Friggin' Personhead says, I was speaking... Well, we have to figure out why he keeps getting bounced out. Or she. Let's see if Jerry goes through. Jerry, do you hear me? Jerry? Jerry. Jerry, last call. It just worked with Jerry the other night, too. All right, dropping him back in the international line. Here's the last one for tonight. Chris, you're on the air. How are you? Chris, you hear me? Hey, what's up, man? Oh, it's what's good. Up, to, Frank? Good to have you on, and you sound great. Good, good. Sorry, I was just taking my headphones off. That's right. Anyways, uh, just calling in, helping you wrap up the night. Thought I'd uh, give you a little antidote about friend of mine who recently uh, fled from California to give his first daughter the life that he wants to give away from all the lunacy out there. And where'd they go? And uh, 
<clears throat> well, he's a, he's a best friend from a long time ago. Went out there to make his fortune. But he was never entirely left. The worst, he became a vegetarian. But as time grew on, um, he literally could not walk down the street walking his dog, talking to me on the phone, and mention the word Trump, or people would stop him and start to berate him. And he'd have to go. <clears throat> so, yeah, he knew that uh, that the time was nearing, and unfortunately his wife's side uh, was extremely liberal. I mean, we're talking like a yoga instructor to the stars. So it was very hard to convince her to move. Is that a, an, an, has a, a, a an, an ongoing uh, marriage or an ex? Oh, yeah. A uh, fairly, fairly new marriage, actually, and first daughter uh, just arrived this year. Wow. Good for you. So good for them for being able to somehow stick through the political divide like that. Some people, that's a non-starter. Oh, I know. It's amazing. I, I don't know how they do it either, except that um, basically he had a lot of history through school and stuff. I mean, we both grew up like fairly liberal and just kind of became conservative with age like most people do. So we're, we're the classic like middle-of-the-road SOBs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but he decided to flee out to uh, Indiana. Apparently, that's becoming a major conservative uh, stronghold, especially around the Indianapolis area. And he, he could have come back to uh, his family, a uh, very well-off-to-do area, uh, very liberal. And he said, no, I, I'm not letting my daughter get raised that way. And his biggest fear is that his daughter is, like, going to, like, you know, be like, Daddy, I, I don't want to be a daughter anymore. I want to be a son. So... That's his. That's his biggest fear, and we talk about it from time to time. I try to reassure him everything's going to be okay, but you know, times are changing, man. They are, and I hope it works out for you and Aurora too. I think, you know, I, I think we have a good, um, we have a good thing going for us, and, and no matter what, we're going to keep it as close knit and tight knit as we can, and it, it, I, we, we, we'll, we're, we're staying flexible, and we're building ourselves for flexibility in the future, and I just. Uh, like I said, it's it's just about family for me, and um, and we'll see how it all works out. But Chris, I really appreciate you bringing that call to the to the show tonight because it's it's something that people wonder about a lot. It's a it's a it's a big hurdle. I know you you think about it. He he had it all. He he's still a part owner of a restaurant in San Francisco downtown. He could have stayed and made tons of money, and he decided to just uproot everything and head to Indiana to to give his family like a good, honest, off the grid, not totally off grid, but you know, like an unplugged life, you know? Well, thank you again, Chris, and send my best to your friend and all the, uh, you know, I, I guess. Yeah, it's for, a, you see me in Twitch, yeah, you can just call me JG. All right. Have a good night. You got it. And call in again one day. There you go. People get through, ladies and gentlemen. And I have to say, as we wrap up here right now, we just had... I think we had our first, our first Gilded Chat bingo winner, and I think it was AK. Just one bingo. I think this is the first time ever because I never, I never seen any anything. And it, it almost looks like she almost won like multiple rows, which is got to be a little harder than that, maybe, right? <laughs> 
I don't know. Listen to this. She got right across. She got bingo on caller doesn't answer. Although we had technical difficulties on Gilded. So, but, uh, hey, it's caller doesn't answer. It doesn't answer. Oh, we had that on, on the other line, too. Caller keeps rambling. And then there is a, quite frankly, free area in the second. There. There's a free block in the middle, so it cuts through the, the, the free block. And then there's a speakerphone adjustment. And then an Aurora comment. Oh, I mean, geez, that's going to be like a free block, too. I talk about Aurora every night. Uh, there's other boxes that she got, too, just for insurance. There was under the influence. I think John from Connecticut is just happy. Well, on most nights. <laughs> it sounds like he had a couple. Because he comments about having a couple. Uh, somebody making a comment about how people need to wake up. That was probably Roseanne. Uh, uh, a call criticizing Frank. That was Cal Fu. That was probably Cal Fu. Rob, who called in to say, I can't believe you're just seeing Twitter for what it is now. And then what's this other one? And then somebody making a comment about how I, I can't believe I got through. <laughs> so they're having a good time with this bingo stuff over on Gilded. And um, I think that's the first winner in history. I think so. Congratulations. And the winner always gets a shout-out from me from now on. All right. It is 8.58, ladies and gentlemen. I thank you so much for the company that you've kept. And, um, and thank you again to, to Grace, who is just a wonderful, wonderful, um, not only uh, talent out there, but a great guest and we really had a good time doing this one here tonight. What else do I have for you? That's all. That's all. But right now we're going to kick off Rabbit Hole Wednesday with a little bit of a really graceful marathon. So get to quitefrankly.tv, jump into that cozy chat room, and kick back, relax, and watch a few of the greatest hits and talk to each other. And I'm sure we're going to have great programming lined up deep into the night. I'll be in there before you know it. Good night, everybody, and thank you for every. Did I set up my? Did I set up my outro? Did I? I think I did. Now I did. Bye. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly. Is filmed before a live studio audience, and here's the super chats. Starting with Stostube and Katie Sky, and over on Rumble Rants, we have our good friends, our good buddies, SMD0317 and JDog28, and I know we had one more, and I can't find it. Where the heck is it? I don't know. I don't know. Good night to everybody. I'm releasing the scratching, and we will see you tomorrow for our finale. I really went downhill after the World Trade Center.
You know, Quasimodo predicted all this. Who did what? All these problems, the Middle East, the end of the world. Nostradamus. Quasimodo's the hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, right. Nostradamus. Nostradamus and Notre Dame. It's two different things completely. It's interesting, though, to be so similar, isn't it? And I always thought, okay, hunchback in Notre Dame. You also got your quarterback and your halfback in Notre Dame. What's a fucking cathedral? Obviously, I know. I'm just saying. It's interesting, the coincidence. What? You're going to tell me you never pondered that? The back thing with Notre Dame? No. 